up, what up, what up? This is the Philly Experience Podcast. New guy on the mic today, Tanner Gil Martin. Not bad opening. Max Gretzula, tire hood of WIP. We got two very great topics for you guys today. The Sixers, everything with the Sixers. You got Ben Simmons drama, trade drama. Then you go ahead to head coaching drama in the NFL with the Rooney Rule involved that Brian Flores action, and all the head coach hirings. So we're going to start right now with the 76ers, guys. 76ers, this is a wide-open league right now. The East, wide open. The only problem right now as a Sixers fan that you immediately go to is that guy, number 25, Ben Simmons, who has not stepped foot on a basketball court. Who? Except for, you know, those, those drills and avoiding fines. <laughs> what do the Sixers do going into the deadline, February 10th? I mean, what's there to do? Do you try to work out this trade? I know we talked about this last week, but, I mean, the temperature is getting hotter on this situation. You have in Washington a little bit of trade sparks going on with potential, but we know how that is as Philadelphia fans going into a trade deadline. What do you guys think? I mean, the, the temperature's getting hot for the trade, but the, the player that's getting traded is not. Like, that's the main issue here. Like, and it's, the one, it's one of the things that I said from the very beginning. I said it here, and I said it on WIP. I said if Ben Simmons doesn't play in this season, his value is going to go down, and you're not going to be able to trade him. As a matter of fact, I was one of the ones. I, I initially had said that Diddy, the most likely time they're probably going to be able to trade him is around the trade deadline, but now that, that doesn't even look like it's going to happen. looks like you're going to be paying a guy – for basically doing absolutely nothing throughout the entire season. And to me, that's an issue. Not, and also considering the fact that if you really look at the records from where they are now compared to last year, they're still in the same spot without Ben Simmons. So they're doing the damn thing without Ben Simmons. So his value also takes a hit from that. Not to mention his little attitude that he has, which I will get into that a little later. But the Sixers are in a good place considering, you know, who we thought, well, okay, who y'all thought Ben Simmons was. I knew from the fact that I, I didn't trust Ben Simmons. I, didn't want, I wanted no parts of Ben Simmons. And unfortunately, it, we have to see this result. And it, it really does disappoint me. But if you guys think a trade is going to happen by the trade deadline, it ain't happening. I'm sorry. Like, who, why, why would you trade for somebody that's, one, disgruntled, two, Looks like he's an issue in the locker room. Three is saying all these things, and all these things turn out to be true. Like, let's be honest here. Max, Who? what organization would really want that? Yeah, it's a great question. It's been a fun season for the Sixers overall. I mean, you take a step back outside the Ben Simmons drama. You have Joel Embiid playing at the best level he's ever been at in his career. And Max, he's been an amazing improvement so far in his second year in the league. But – to your Ben Simmons point, we've heard the James Harden rumors come out in the last week or two, and now the newest rumor now is Bradley Beal. Hopefully the Sixers will look into it. I know a lot of people in the city want a Simmons deal done. Some people are still being patient and saying, hey, they can wait till the offseason, even though I'm assuming that's fewer than what most what people think. But at the end of the day, Sixers playing well as a team right now. They're winning without Ben Simmons. And when it comes down to it, I think if the Sixers make a trade for Simmons now and they settle for a couple of role players, and that's not to say Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Sacramento are not good players, 
But the question is, will they elevate the Sixers into winning an NBA championship? And that's where I have some pause. So the question is, do you be patient and maybe get a Harden in the offseason or try to be a little bit more aggressive, maybe get a Beal before this deadline happens? Or do you just go back to the Kings, which this call all be been settled a month ago, and said, hey, we'll do the trade with Halliburton and Buddy Hill. Well, so, man, well the Kings is already out. They already um, apparently, rumor has it, they're out on well, Ben Simmons. That's what I'm saying. If What if the Sixers call back and say, hey, we'll do the deal that, or your original deal that you wanted? I mean, it'd be hard for them to say no, right? I mean, you, you had a chance to, to finally get rid of him, and you would have gotten some decent you know, assets back. And I understand, like I said, Daryl Morey doesn't want, pen, you know, 20 cents on a dollar for Ben Simmons. I completely understand that. But I'm sorry. Like, everybody botched this entire situation. Ben Simmons botched this situation by not playing. You botched the situation by not trading him when you were supposed to. It's a fumble all the way around. I'm sorry. Like, you should have taken what – just just take what you can get, yeah. right? You ain't getting another superstar from Ben Simmons. You're just not. Asking price incredibly high. For Ben Simmons, a guy who, as we mentioned, hasn't played a game for the Sixers, he's out $19 million because he declines to play. And if I'm in Ben Simmons' shoes, first of all, very appreciative that I'm in the NFL or the NBA and I'm getting money to play a sport that I love. But, you know, there's, there's different things to it. We, we talk about his mental state and, and stuff like that. That, obviously, we're not getting into. We're getting into Ben Simmons, the player. But let's talk about that drama team with Shaquille O'Neal. Let's get into it. Real quick before we continue with this Sixers talk. Because a few days ago, Shaquille O'Neal on Inside the NBA talked with his co-hosts about how soft another player was on the Sixers, comparing him to a crybaby. Talk about that other guy on the Sixers not Joel Embiid, but the other guy. And it's funny to me too. Apparently, after the show was done airing, Shaquille O'Neal got a DM on on I believe Instagram. Yep, it was on Instagram from Ben Simmons, and all O'Neal said was that he was very mad in those DMs. My thing is, why is Ben Simmons watching inside the NBA? instead of doing all this other stuff that he should be doing. I mean, he doesn't want to play basketball, but he'll sit on the couch and watch the Sixers play. Man, get off your ass and fight. Who knows, Damn though? It. Maybe he was in the gym watching it, happened to be on, and he was like, hold on a second. I don't know. I got it. Oh, yeah, he's in the gym. Oh, yeah, he's in the gym working out. Oh, oh shit, Shaquille O'Neal's talking shit. You know what? F you. No, he's, he's, in, his, <laughs> he's in his basement working out plans for his upcoming wedding. But... I mean, th- this whole situation is frustrating on, I'm sure, every side that we talk about, the Sixers organization, Ben Simmons. Like, why? He's probably thinking, why haven't I been traded yet? I just want to play basketball now, but I won't play it for the 76ers. And you have Daryl Morey, who potentially could be getting held back from um, upper staff in the Sixers saying, you have to get a better deal for Ben Simmons. Or... They think maybe this whole thing is going to blow over, but I think I think it's all, it's all past this right now. But from the Ben Simmons side of things, how much of this is also that we have to think about, like his team with Rich Paul and all saying, "Hey, you're you're only allowed to say this." Like right. Rich Paul, if he knew about Simmons DMing Shaq before that it was sent, I'm sure he would be like, "No, you're not sending that." You know, Rich just Paul, keep- by the way, finding himself in headlines for his own um, love 
stuff going yeah. on with Adele over there, too. So he's got a lot on his plate. To Those rumors with. were shot down, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, and for people that don't know, apparently Adele canceled a couple shows in Vegas. Apparently, maybe according to some sources, not official, because of her her drama between her boyfriend, Rich Paul. Ah. But going back to these trade rumors, on The Athletic, David Aldridge, Josh Robbins, were talking about how they heard from close sources to Bradley Beal that he is conflicted. He was saying that at one point earlier in the season he wanted to stay a wizard. Even last season, too, he was like, I'm not leaving right. Washington. This is where right. I'm meant to be. Yeah, But he is now unsure if the team can surround He's him. now based, a.k.a. I'm getting the hell out of here. Right. With <laughs> difference-making players. And there's been no official request by him or his team to be moved. But it does propose an interesting situation. You have mm-hmm. a player not happy in Washington. All right. Player not happy in Philadelphia. Which player's better? Uh, we we, we kind of know. I was about uh, to say, that's, that shouldn't even be a question. But... Bradley Beal wants to be surrounded by players who will make a difference. You put him on a roster with Joel Embiid, and you surround him with a cast like you have Maxi, Matisse Thibel, all those guys, he'd be in an ideal situation. Bradley Beal is 28 years old. I mean, th- we talked about this scenario. We talked about all the trade scenarios and what could possibly be. You know, we talked about what kind of – of impact Bradley Bill would have. Oh, my God. I think that would pretty much be the play to take the Sixers over the top. You would finally have He dropped a 60 against, Phil, uh, against the Sixers last true. season. Yes, he did. Every It's like he it's like he would circle Philadelphia and just be like, I'm going to wreck these motherfuckers. Doesn't have to move far up the coast. You know, it would only be a quick trip up from D.C. to Philly. No, it would not be a long trip. But, like, it, it, we talked about this, man. Bradley Bill would be that closer that would finally take the, the Sixers over the hump. Guy. Here's the question, though. Will the Sixers and Wizards able be able to come to an agreement where Beal and Simmons one-for-one one is no. fair? Now, this to me seems like a situation that won't take less than a week to figure out. Exactly. So no. the question is, do you would you be willing to add Maxi in the package for Beal along with Simmons no. or Thibel? I think in the beginning of the season, we pro- most of us would have probably said yes. I'm saying hell to the no. For Maxi? No. What about Thibel? Hmm, maybe. He's a great defensive piece. On yeah, team. I was about to say. I like his defense, man. And, and, and you need defense in the playoffs, dude. I agree. I think if it comes down to doing a Thibel and Simmons for Beal, it would be hard to not pull the trigger on that. But I definitely still hesitate. Right, if you bring Beal into Philadelphia, he doesn't need to dominate the ball. Right. But when it beats sits, he can be that guy. The funny thing is, Washington just knocked off the Sixers in Philadelphia without Bradley Beal. Right. So that's a very surprising game. But right now the Wizards, the 11th seed in the Eastern Conference, they're not even in the play-in situation 7 through 10. So that has to factor into their decision-making. Beal did say if there was a play-in situation, he would count that season as a failure. Yeah, you can't blame them either because yeah. at the end of the day, this well, first of all, let's, the whole playing thing is a totally different story in a whole. Yeah. I mean, whether you agree with it or not, but to be the 11th seed and not even have that opportunity, I mean, if he's saying getting into the play in 7 through 10 is a failure, I mean, they're not even there right now. They're below that. So right. that has to factor into his decision-making even more. And that's a team that started off really hot. 
the, the Wizards started yeah. off really hot and just with blown. Uh, what was that? Thirty point to uh, the Clippers. I think the thirty point lead. I honestly, like I honestly think the big thing with Bradley Bill is him changing his mind. Like at first, like we we would hear rumors and we would even hear him in the press conferences. You know, being like, listen. You know, this is my home. This is where I'm. This is where I'm going to play. Like, this is where I want to play. This is where I want to be. I don't want to be traded. We we vividly remember him saying these things. And now there's a rumor coming out. I'm not 100 percent sure if I want to stay here. And I don't blame him. Now I don't know what took his ass so long to figure that out. This team drafted him third overall in 2012. Like, I really don't know what took him that long to figure it out. That this team has not done a very good job of surrounding him or John Wall when John Wall was there with talent that they could be competable, be uh, and be for them to compete in the um in the Eastern Conference. Hopefully, maybe a trade can work out. I don't know. I, I don't see anything happening within, what, a couple weeks? What if you had to pick between Harden or Beal? Who would you rather have? Beal, because he's younger. Fair enough. But here's the thing. Bradley Beal, at the age of 28 right now, he's having, for his standards, a pretty down year. I mean, he's averaging only 23 points per game. That's way below his average of last season at 31 Tanner, points per game. 23 points is a down year. I think we would take that easily. Let me tell you this as well. 30% on the bench. 30% (laughs) three-point percentage. I mean, that's Russell Westbrook territory from beyond the arc. Well, yeah, you would probably – yeah, if you had a skill set like Bradley Bill and you were the only damn player that was on the Washington Wizards, you would shoot that percentage too. What I'm saying is Sixers can use some of this to their advantage. Bill, in the last year of a contract, I believe, poor – not a poor year, but a down year compared to what he's done in the past – Maybe with him also having a little bit of say towards the front office with, hey, I don't want to stay in Washington long term. That's going to force Washington's hand to make a move. And maybe you get out of here with, hey, we keep Thibel, keep Maxie, but Simmons for Beal could get done possibly one on I hear you. And Beal has to say that. And, and then send Simmons to basketball hell in Washington. Another way. <laughs> From that question, though, would you rather, if you had the chance and you would be trading, you'd probably be trading more. Um, for this specific scenario, but if you had, if you were the Sixers, you had the opportunity to get James Harden now before the trade deadline, or wait next season get Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. What would you take? Because uh, the reason you have to be so anxious is Joel Embiid, Player of the Month, playing the best basketball of his career, and we know this is not a guy who stays healthy the entire season. This is a waste to say of talent. And the important part about these trade situations is not who we're trading, who we're getting back. In my opinion, it's how are we helping Joel Embiid become a champion in Philadelphia? Oh, I'm, I'm taking Bradley Beal in a second in this. You're I waiting. Would get him. I would season. wait. If I need to, I'm waiting if yeah. I need to. I yeah. mean, I know that Embiid's having a superstar year, but if my only option – and what was, what was the first part of the question with you talking about the role players? Is that the other deal or the Harden deal? Right. The right. role players yeah. like the and, and again I'm not, like Hal Burns 21 years old four years from now this guy could be top I don't know 25 player in the league who knows because he's a point guard with six eight can really do it all in a way he gets shooting at a high percentage from beyond the arc too and Buddy Heald has always been a great three point shooter but need difference making players to win a title Beal and Embiid paired together Beal a shooting guard by trade but has the ability to ball handle and close games like Jimmy Butler did. When he was here as a sixer, I'm taking that all day, especially if you can find a way to keep Maxi, because you don't want to have Bill as your point guard, as a shooting guard, but you want to have the like the ability to throw it to him late in games and for him to create. It's if funny. I have to include Thibel in a deal, 
I would do it. It's funny that we're talking about this uh, specifically because I talked about this last week with Sean Bell on WIP. Um, a lot of people want to make the move now. I mean, a lot of people want to wait to the wait. A lot of people want to wait. A lot of people want to see, you know, if you can grab one of these guys via free agency. I have two issues with that. One, it's not necessarily guaranteed. It's not. It's not, it's not a guarantee. It's going to be able to play even. I was just to about to get into playing. that. I think number see, one, it's not ahead. a guarantee that you're going to be able to grab one of these superstars in free agency. Number two, it's also not a guarantee that you're going to get another damn season like this out of Embiid. We said this the we said this the previous year, and they basically wasted that year. It's and Embiid was that, on yeah. fire because the knee this you know, year. This beat is on Embiid is on fire. We're talking about an MVP like season if Embiid continues to stay healthy this season. I'm sorry, but you cannot continue to take advantage of the fact that this man is putting up these kind of numbers. But here's the problem. Getting a deal for a player who's not a superstar is not going to win you a title. The Bucs are still going to be better than the Sixers. The Nets are still going to be better than the Sixers. And to be honest with you, the Heat might even be better okay. than the Sixers. I agree with you. But what's the one thing that we always say that this team needs? Bench depth. I think we can arguably sit here and say that the bench depth kind of does need to change. If bare minimum, if all you can get for Ben Simmons is some bench depth, I will take that at this no, point. No, uh, no, no. Yeah, we're going to get us kicked off of the air. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it with that. Nonsense. Okay. What did I just? What did I say in the beginning of the show? I said that this team is doing just as good without Ben Simmons, right? So you don't need Ben Simmons necessarily to carry you over the threshold. And you need bench depth. You have to think about Daryl Moore, though. You, he's come out and said it multiple times. He's... Willing to be patient, and he wants what he wants. He's not going to settle for role players. At this point, you don't have a choice. You, Ben Simmons, has no fucking value. None whatsoever. But listen, the, the East is, like I was saying earlier, wide open. You got the Bulls, 32 wins. The Heat, 33. Sixers have 31 wins. So, if you go ahead and you trade Ben Simmons for just role players... Again, the, we don't want to uh, – like, I hate using that word because healed – and at this point, yeah, he's kind of probably a role player. Halliburton, he'll probably start for the Sixers over who? Thibel, I'm assuming. Right. But I get your point. He's a role player on a team in a starting five. He's not a star. He's not even – well, obviously not a superstar. He's not a star either yet. But w- with that being said, you're still you're still competing with the Bulls roster. Why? And also, you got to remember, right now the Bulls, even though 32 wins, they have some injuries. Caruso's banged up. Lonzo Ball's banged up. You know, they're right. dealing with some issues. So why do that? Get those players, not a big star player. And then the next season, you have those guys. Available, and you don't have any value or trade. Exactly. Date, you trade don't have Ben assets. Simmons to trade. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I do hear y'all. And trust me, I do. But the way I see it is, you're wasting another MVP-like year from Embiid. Again, because let's be honest here, Sixers ain't going to the finals. They're not. They're not coming out they of the They could, East. though. That's They're what not. we're talking about. They could. They're because not. They are just as good as they were last year without Ben Simmons. They are just as good. Right, They're the not getting out of the thing is East. making them a better team with these trades. Exactly my point. We need bench depth. How long do you so – you, you, would you rather – do you want to play George Niang in the, in the playoffs? T, off you're going to give Ben Simmons away. You talk about him all the time. 
If that because at least you got something back. Well, I got those two jars of peanut butter. I'm happy. And well, guess what? And I can purchase the jelly via free agency. But at least I know I did something to make this team better, and in an attempt to make this team better. You staying stationary, not doing a damn thing, that's not helping him beat at all. More that's wasting make another a deal year before the deadline. It's just going to be. Is it going to be the big fish deal, or is it going to be the George be Hill deal again? Yeah, I don't want the George Hill deal from last year. I don't year. want no fucking George Hill deal. That pissed me off. Man did absolutely nothing here last year. That's he also was hurt, right, when he first got Yeah, he was hurt when he first for, got here. Yeah. So the man didn't play for like a good, what, two weeks? Well, we tried that strategy last year, and it sure as hell didn't work out. So I don't want to go out there and get like a veteran guy, a locker room guy, a leader kind of guy. give a damn about that. You know? And again, it's kind of funny because we don't give a damn about that, but then we talk about Jalen Hurts and we say, oh, he's a leader. Oh, that's he's a different a situation. Pro- you know, but at the end of the day with the Sixers – I think I'm being patient because Joel Embiid, even next season, nothing's guaranteed in life. But the way he's playing right now, what cause for concern besides the previous history, of course, but right now in this moment, being 100% healthy and dominating, do you have to – like you can't just say, hey, we can't, we can't be patient because Embiid can get hurt next year. I mean, that's just – you can't – I feel like you can't live like that. You don't have a choice but to live like that. How long? How long do you think Embiid's injuries are going to hold up? How long do you? How long? Do, big men with knee issues have it's a history. It's true of not going long in the NBA. That's true. Yao Ming, um, Greg Oden. Can you get one more year out of Embiid at a dominant level like this? But you're you're playing with house money at this point. This He's is only the like second year in a row. Though. Yeah, only. But them knees are like in his in their fifties. <laughs> Let's be honest I think here. If, if listen, Bradley Beal. Oh, if we were talking about this a week ago, Bradley Beal's not in the conversation. These rumors have just surfaced, and we were even talking about this in the off season. We were talking about Harden in the off season. There's no shot that the Sixers and Nets are going to make a trade right now. You wouldn't assume, at least, mid season when they're competing for a title one, especially in their same conference and same division. So I think that's out of the picture until at least the off season. But I'm thinking in Daryl Morey's shoes right now, this second. I don't think he's going to make a deal for Simmons at this deadline. I think we all would like to see something happen just because it's fun and exciting. But I don't think at this moment in time, Maury's ready to just say, hey, if I can't get Beal and Harden, you know what, I'll settle for this trade Yeah, for and, lower players. And, I mean, before getting into just this, this upcoming game today against uh, the Mavs, I mean, this, to me, this year in a dire situation here where a decision needs to be made though whether it is to wait or to pull that trigger on the trade it's hard because, because look they just had five games in a row at home they went four and five in the home stand like they're playing great basketball Maxie's shooting 10 points higher from three he's shooting over 40 percent from three right it's hard like everybody on the team saying maury we're balling out right now give us some help there's still this dark cloud though over the team with whether or not they're going to trade ben simmons and for those listening right now we're going to put a poll out on our story after the show. If you are in charge of the 76ers, are you pulling the trigger on that trade or are you waiting until the season's over? Follow us on Instagram at the Philly Experience Podcast or on Twitter, the Philly EXP1. Just prove these guys wrong. We're going to get to that last segment of the Sixers talk right now with this upcoming matchup against the Mavs, who are 29 23. Earlier, we talked about how the Sixers are 31-20. and 20. They had that five-win streak, game-win streak, ended by the Wizards 106-103. to 
and Luca is coming off a 40-point night, but it was against OKC. What do you guys want to see from this Sixers team going against teams like the Mavs, going into the future of the schedule without their without Ben Simmons and the team on the team? This team has played impressively. But what do you want to see against big teams like the Mavs? Go ahead. Well, I want to see, first of all, you're talking about a team that's 29 and 23 in the Dallas Mavericks. The Sixers right now, Joel Embiid is going to play tonight. I have to see and do some research quickly to see if Chris Tapps is going to play. I don't know if the uh, the announcement has been made about injuries and whatnot, who's questionable. But Luke is the main guy. We know he's the lifeblood of the Dallas Mavericks, 26 points per game uh, for them, 8.9 assists, 8.8 rebounds. I mean, he does it all. He's an all-star caliber player. Uh, but he's a guy that the Sixers are going to have to lock in on. But that's not to say they can't get the job done on the road. It starts at 10 o'clock, by the way. Any of you guys notice that? 10 o'clock start? Yep. Well, at least I'll have something Dallas. to watch when I'm when I'm working tonight. So, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> all right. Dallas is, is not California, so I don't understand it. But it is what it is, nationally televised game. Yes, but if you literally look at this roster from the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, Chris Stabs, Porzingis, Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, I mean – they're good, yeah. but nothing nothing you look at where you're like, oh, this is this team is, is top three team in yeah. the Western Conference. And no by way. the way, going over the injury report, Furkan, out. Seth Curry, questionable. Shake Milton, out. And they they just keep – you have to list Ben Simmons as out on the injury reports. Can but we just, like, abs, remove him from the injury report? Porzingis, out. Brown out, Hardaway Jr. out. Wow. Okay, so you're looking at it right now. That's two of the four top leading scorers for the Dallas Mavericks. Hardaway coming in, averaging 14 points per game, and Chris Stapps averaging 19.2 points Mavs per game. Mavs are still favorite. So. Oh, yeah, home field. Home field, T. We're on a court here. I don't want to hear home field. Home field. And, anyway. Uh, that doesn't do it for me. Two of four leading scorers out. Thing. So, again, you're going to see a lot of Luka. You're going to see a lot of Jalen Brunson. You're going to see some Dorian Finney-Smith in there. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I don't see why the Sixers can't go in here and get the job done. Korkmaz, that's another guy we continue to talk about where he has his games where he's good. He has his games where he doesn't look like he should be in the league. But that's not to say he hasn't been a productive player in his time here in Philadelphia. Also, the longest tenured Sixer, I believe, in – I mean, Joel Embiid, I think so. I have to double-check because people will say Joel Embiid, but I'm pretty sure Korkmaz was in here in Philadelphia beforehand. But losing only – like, Curry's a big – Part. First of all, another thing to add, going back to Dallas, where he was traded from, uh, to Philadelphia for so that Josh Richardson and a pick. But my prediction on tonight, I think the Sixers get the job done. Yeah. I mean, can they stop Luka Doncic? Probably not. But can they, you know, double him maybe a little bit, keep keep the ball out of his hands, force him to pass it? Yeah, both, you'll probably see If that happens, you'll see a lot of assists tonight from Luka. Both teams are pretty slow in pace-wise, but the Mavs have that slightly better defense. So are they going to be able to hold Joel Embiid? Is it going to be a 30-point night for Joel Embiid, or is it going to be a 18- to 20-point night for Joel? And they're going to have to – I mean, it, it definitely helps them with the with the injuries on the Mavs. But, yeah, there, Joel there should Embiid be no is the longest-tenured Sixer, by the way. So Korkmaz is not the longest-tenured Sixer. There should be no reason that the Sixers don't go to Dallas and win this game. You're absolutely correct. Should be being the operative word, and I do have them winning this game, despite home court advantage. I do have them winning this game um, with the list of injuries, especially the one of the biggest ones being Tim Hardaway Jr., their main shooter. But, I mean, 
Luckily, they don't have to deal with his ass tonight because he's not even playing. Yeah. Luckily. Yeah, luckily. Luckily. I just, I'm just frustrated because the bench does need to be worked on. That's my big thing. The bench needs to be worked on some way, shape, form, or fashion. Not a big Charlie Brown guy. Who? You talking about from the Peanuts? Oh. <laughs> I'm sure he's heard that a bunch of times. I hate to say that, but hey, I'm sorry, but this bench definitely needs work. It, well, we'll it have, does. We will have to see tonight at 10 o'clock on ESPN. We're going to switch into our next highly discussed topic. Oh, boy. It is head coaching, hiring, head coaching drama in the NFL. Let's start off with the drama. Uh, right. By now... A lot of us have already heard about that Brian Flores drama. He's actually been discussing it on TV shows. Mm-hmm. And some may say putting his career on the line. I don't think so. I think he's bringing to attention a, a problem in the NFL that, that so many other head coaches are going to have to start, are gonna start stepping up. I mean, this is heading into the NFL offseason after the Super Bowl. So you got coaches already like Hugh Jackson talking about how he sort of dealt with the same situation. But just going over it, this kind of started, I guess you could say, with a Belichick text message, go figure, text gate. Vice <laughs> has been always involved in scandals. added uh, to Belichick's legacy. Yeah. But there was a text message from Belichick to Brian Flores congratulating him by mistake. Saying congratulations for the New York job, blah, blah, blah. This was three days before Brian Flores even went for an interview with the Giants. Now, that that brings to also how he was treated with a Denver interview where Elway apparently showed up not in the best shape. um, Not in the best shape. That's, that, That's a nice way to put it, right? Yeah. I was about well, to say these this, are yeah. allegations. You, you know, really you put it nice. Got to listen to both sides. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you, some Elway, bitch showed up drunk. Elway <laughs> came out. <laughs> not a law firm. This is a podcast. Elway came out, said you know, that that was untrue. Allegedly. Um, so there's, there's three sides to that story, really. But my thing is with the Giants, and I give Flores a ton of credit for this. Three days after getting a congratulatory text message from Belichick for the Giants job, Flores thinking, okay, they they already know who they're getting. They're just interviewing me just for show. And that brings up the Rooney rule and all that stuff. But to go into that, that room, interview with the Giants staff, the organization, and try to change their mind in a way, give thinking that maybe, you know, maybe they'll hear me. They'll give me an actual chance to be the head coach, and obviously Dable get gets hired. That's that, a huge amount of credit to him for even going through with that that meeting. Yeah. Do, do you guys think the Rooney Rule has failed overall? Yes. yes Hell 100%. yeah, it's failed. What? Um, I mean, Mike Tomlin. That's that's the. I mean, he's the. When you think of the Rooney Rule, you think of all right, more coaches of color get a chance. A deserved chance to interview or or get a job as a head coach, and right now it's failed. I think one thing here too. I'm looking up. I know there was another African American coach just hired 
and I'm trying to do the research on it as we speak. But I thought it was the Bears, but it wasn't because that's no, Matt Eberflus. T, do you have it off the top of your head? Um, no, it's not off the top of my head. But you know what? Going into this, the the Rooney Rule has failed. And as a matter of fact, I can remember when I first heard about the Rooney Rule. As a matter of fact, it was a discussion. As a matter of fact, in one of my classes in high school, and that the funny part is, we were having a discussion, and the teacher had asked, you know, I, what are some holes, you know, in 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 this? And my immediate response was, well, for real, for real, uh, uh, all an organization has to do is just. Uh, uh, interview a minority like they can just be like they can ask him one or two questions and literally be like okay well that's all we have for today thank you for your time and boom you you took care of the Rooney rule like there's there's no there's no wiggle room like it's 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 so easy to just get rid of the to just you know, get rid of the Rooney rule. rule for that. Right. There doesn't need to be, there shouldn't need to be a rule. First it's off. It's also named after a white man, that rule. Yeah. yeah. Named Go after fi- a white man. Go figure. But anyway, so for me, the thing I find wrong with the Rooney rule is you are offering better trade, better picks, draft picks to hire a black head coach. Oh, so yeah, I just realized what I was thinking. Of. I think it was the Bears you- GM. Oh, yeah, he was a former player. He's a former player. I got you. But, yeah, right now it's, as of what last week, it was Mike Tomlin is the only black head coach because Flores got fired, David Coley got fired from the Texans. That David Coley thing was, that that was a screw job because you're giving a horrible-ass, you're giving a horrible-ass roster and basically know that you don't have the talent to win. You lose, have a Finish the season with a losing record, and you still get fired. Yet and still, the Texans probably was probably out of all the the worst teams in the NFL. They were probably the most competitive. Well, here's the thing: I agree with what you're saying 100. percent They probably were the most competitive. I've beaten one of the worst teams in football. But that organization, from the higher ups and and the person on the field too, the whole Deshaun Watson thing kind of screwed them over yeah. from the start in the off season. Um, and at the end of the day, I know they went out and hired them in the all. Uh, Last offseason, but coming into this year, it's it's like if you're talking about the Houston Texans, Texans from two years ago to where we are right now, nothing at all has changed. I mean, you can say they fought hard. They won a couple games last year, sure. But even if he's still an NFL head coach, I mean, in a way you could say, hey, like I know there's – I mean, he's working his whole life to become an NFL head coach. But that situation just sucks. I mean, he got treated disrespectfully, kind of, too. They kind of were just finding a guy to fill in. Yeah, for the season. Like, yes. No, you you hired him to basically go through a season just to say, okay, thank you for your time, coach. Get the hell out. And that messes with a man's career. Exactly. Man's career. Yes. But the, the players are going. The players have gotten his back and things of like that. Well, first off, the Texans organization has been under scrutiny before for some racial things in the past. So their track record ain't the cleanest. But – that, you're right. That does mess up with a man's career. Like, and it, it, it's such a shame because, we t- once again, I talked about this on WIP. You're talking about guys like Eric Bieniemy. You're talking about guys that, that deserve a chance. Todd uh, Bowles. You're talking about Todd chance. Bowles. Did Eric Bieniemy not get offered a head coaching spot? And that's what. He didn't. He did not that get was, offered. That he was didn't. Talk about now, a lot of things, now, a lot of people on WIP have him, has informed me that Eric Bieniemy had a past as a player. But that was as a player. Like, his track record is clean now as a coach. Not to mention the fact that 
He's one of the cogs that engineers one of the best, if not the best offense in the NFL. Why in the hell would you not at least consider that man for a head coaching position? Not to mention the fact that Todd Bowles was usually plays around with nothing but junk by the end of the year of a secondary down there in Tampa Bay and is still able to. Well, hold on, hold on. Tampa Bay's defense and secondary was tremendous these last couple of years. Last, yes, but the players that he's worked with. He's had to work with second and third right, strings. Thing, so the Todd Bowles argument, though, is he's had his opportunity to be a head coach, and he was terrible. He was, yeah. it was the Jets. It's the Jets. I know, but I'm just saying he was terrible. And I, I look back, and you talk about previously Josh McDaniels even. I mean, he had to work how many years to get another head coaching job when his his he fell on his face in Denver back in 2010. He had a chance to be a head coach again, but um, he let he you know said, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm going back to New England." Right. With the whole thing with the Colts a couple years back, I do remember that. But there's still four head coaching vacancies: the Houston Texans, the Miami Dolphins, the Minnesota Vikings, and the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, not the Miami Dolphins, but do you think the Vikings, Saints, or Texans have any shot of hiring Flores, or maybe give it an opportunity? Um. Here's where I'm going to disagree with what Tanner said. You said that Brian Flores, um, this isn't necessarily a career ending. This might be a. Well, this like is career. not a he career ending. Career end. He said it would affect his career. It will. Bringing this to the forefront of the NFL will affect your career to to some degree. Colin Kaepernick, bare minimum, is at least a backup quarterback. And man, well, we don't know that at this point. Well, yeah, for then, at that time, yeah. Then you could at least say he's at least a backup quarterback. Yes. Hell, you can even say that he was a low end starter at that time. I can honestly back then probably put him above Gardner Minshew. Oh, God, yes. Probably. But he didn't get a job. But in the end, the NFL settled with him. That's the difference. I think it is a a career-defining moment. It's crazy how it works out, right, when you call out the NFL opposed to when you do stuff that that puts your, your image in jeopardy, you get more chances. Say, for example, Urban Meyer. Let me ask you this question. Yeah, Miami Dolphins with this whole thing with Flores. Talk about another organization that's in some hot water. That's another situation. Like who's going like to accept? It's an NFL head coaching position, so there's somebody out there that's going to be like, yes, I'm definitely jumping at this opportunity. But with all these rumors coming out, $100,000 to lose games on purpose, apparently Brian, Brian Flores was offered. If yeah, he who's provides accept proof. this job if they're offered? Like, First off, you have to have some hesitation, right? If, no. if Brian Flores proves that to be true, oh, my God. So this is – so this is what I understand happening. Brian Flores was hired, and the organization was under the impression that obviously they would become a better team with the higher draft picks that they get because of losing, tanking. So Ross goes up to Flores. I don't know if it was a text message, conversation. Offered, says, you know what? Why don't you take a vacation? Okay, uh, I'll give you $100,000 and just you know, lose this game. That now this is a, a coach who's trying to prove himself in the NFL. Why would he want to lose on purpose with then his image is not a, a winning coach and when he's trying to prove himself, he, he's of course he's gonna want to win and he's gonna try to win. Right, right. And, but I, I, but you bring up that thing with Fitzpatrick being benched to a in. Was that an organizational situation where they were like you have to bench Fitzpatrick. We have to see how two is doing. Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think earlier on, especially last season, it was obvious that Fitzpatrick was the better quarterback. And this, the, yeah. the Dolphins were supposed to be a bad team, and they've played. Not last year, the previous year. They've previous played great. Year. 2000, 
Well, Flores was hired in 2019. Yes, yeah, so yeah. So not so, this past season. Because remember, he was remember that. he was on Washington last year. Yes, that's right. what I meant. And, yep, uh, yep, yep. and obviously, he didn't try to lose because you look back at their season and it was not a bad season. It wasn't like no, he's. What did they go? Ten and six? Yeah, I believe so. Before it went to seventeen games. And I mean, and I mean, shoot, they were close. To the barely playoffs. missed the playoffs. I mean, yeah, shoot, and even this year, like you, you go on a, a seven eight game winning streak and you finish what? With what a nine and eight record. My thing is this: you go back to your point about talking about Brian Flores losing on purpose. Why? Why did Brett Brown agree to lose on purpose then? You know, going ten and seventy-two, he knew they Brett, were losing on purpose. Yeah, Brett Brown knew the situation when he was going in. Right. Twenty nineteen, the Miami Dolphins were a team that was built to win. They just can't get over the hump because the Patriots are in the way, and the Bills are also an upcoming team. Quarterback that was good enough. Correct. You know the so Brian Flores kind of sort of knew the situation, but twenty nineteen was it twenty nineteen when Tua was drafted, or it was twenty twenty. 2020. Okay, so the next year they draft a quarterback. Typically when you the organization draft a quarterback, they usually gives the head coach a little bit more lean way to kind of, you know, be able to work some kinks out with the quarterback because no, most quarterbacks don't come out perfect. But they didn't even give him a chance to really work with Tua. And let's be honest there, Tua's not perfect either. I mean, we saw him in Alabama. Tua's not that perfect, not a, a perfect quarterback either. So you're pretty much working with junk. Well, yes, yes. Out of all these teams right now, you can't say the Vikings. The Vikings are pretty good, and, and the Saints usually have their head on straight. But Dolphins or Texans, I mean, it's a toss-up between what's the worst job. You have an organization on one side basically saying, hey, lose on purpose. I think. And then you have the other organization with the Texans that just have nothing. They have no draft picks. They have a quarterback in turmoil situation. They don't have any good players on their roster, really. They, they like what do they have? Their fan base and their like they are an organization right now that and also coming out with the rumors with David Coley, of course yeah. that's negative. I mean, it's, and everything around the Texans right now is negative. They don't have anything positive. Honestly, no young superstar like Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. No young talent that you can look at. I think a team that might be in a worse position, and this might be surprising, but I think the Saints are actually in a worse position that because they're not sure where they are. You have Sean well, Payton have leaving. Some players. They have negative, negative sixty million dollars that they have to. They still have, they have to, to, to pay off Drew Brees' contract. They have still no pay idea. Michael Thomas, like, the big guys. wait a second, you have to pay Drew Brees even if he retires. That's they have wow. no idea. If what you remember, quarterback, there should be real, some clause in his contract that says if you retire. Real quick, so Brandon Brooks retired. What was it? A week or two ago. Yes. So the Eagles have to rework that contract because he still he was still on the books for next year. They reworked so, yes. it a little bit before. They came out officially saying that. Exactly. So, so he's on the books next year. Drew Brees, I, yes. Okay. Brandon Brooks is on the books wow, for next year. So, horrific. yes. Drew Brees, I believe, retired. Hmm? He's not even going to play a single game. And it was a huge contract. So, yes. But, yes, Drew Brees retired, I believe, with years left on his contract, the which they're will, still paying for that. The Saints will wait until let, later this summer to file the retirement paperwork, which will designate Brees a post-June 1st cut and defer $11.5 million in dead money into 2022. His 2021 salary cap remains the same, and the remainder will be paid off next offseason. This was March 14th, 2021. That's why the agents get paid the big bucks in negotiations. So he's talking about that 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 happened. Hey, if my quarterback retires, he still soon. own the money. That man, is, that man is getting two checks from the Saints and from NBC. I'm going to be Drew Brees when I grow up. Back to the Eric Bieniemy point, though, real fast. We haven't really heard anything. Like, last offseason, he was a big name. 
getting a lot of interviews. Uh, he's been it's been quiet this offseason, maybe because he was still playing in the playoffs, just lost right. to the Bengals. But do you think he's still a candidate for one of these spots, or is it like, all right, I'm still, I'm, I'm I am where I am with the Chiefs right now, offensive coordinator? I honestly don't think. Uh, once again, we're going to go through another offseason where he's not even going to get a, a sniff at a head coaching job. Unfortunately, isn't that crazy though? And l- let's get right into it right now. Let's talk about the head coaches that were hired recently. You have the Jaguars hiring Doug Peterson, Raiders Josh McDaniels, by the way, Giants Dable, Broncos Hackett. Bears, Eberflus. Yep. And we talk about the Saints, Vikings, Dolphins, and Texans without head coaches. But my thing is, we talk about Biennemi and maybe other coaches that want to get into the other coaches of color that want to get back into coaching. You have them proving themselves either as defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators of sort. And then you have a guy who stepped away from coaching for a year who comes back immediately into an NFL coaching job. And I'm talking about Doug Peterson to the Jaguars. How is that? How do you guys think about that situation? I think it's a smart hire by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, a Super Bowl winning coach, a guy who really didn't deserve to be fired. I mean, we all know it. The main yeah, reason he, he was really fired did. is because he wanted to pick his own personnel and how he didn't let him do it. So you're talking about a losing organization that has lost and 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 lost and, and lost. had to deal with that Urban Myers. And had to deal with Urban Meyer. They want to bring in somebody who's well-established, Good background, good history, former NFL quarterback, young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, can work with him like he worked with Carson Wentz. What happened the first year with Carson Wentz? Obviously, I think 9-7 and seven was the record, but improvement into the year two, Carson Wentz was that MVP season, and they worked well together until things went off the rails. So I like the hire personally for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's going to be helpful for their image, and I, I understand where people are coming from. Hey, he hasn't been in the league for a year, whatever. But every he checks so many boxes as a head coach. It's about damn time that Doug Peterson got a job in the NFL. Like seriously, if it's one it guy, him, though, too. if he wanted to come back last you're year, right. he probably could have. Right? You're right. I, somewhat with that whole controversy with that last game. Right, right. But you see what you're saying? It's about time. I mean, he he took a year off and walks right back into the NFL with a head coaching position when there are other guys maybe more qualified right now who've still coached who didn't take a year off are looking for a head coaching job and they have no place. In this situation, uh, but I, I in this situation you're talking about a guy who's a former Super Bowl winning head coach. You're talking about a guy Listen, who up to that one it. year only had one losing season. So, arguably yes. I see I see what you're yeah, trying to say. Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson out of all of those coaches probably should have been the first guy hired. Now, that's not it's not taken away from Eric Bieniemy. I've been saying for years that Eric Bieniemy should have been had a damn head coaching job. From day one, Todd Bowles should be in consideration for head coaching. Hell, Byron Leftwich should be in should should have been in more consideration for more head coaching jobs. I agree with everything that you're saying. I think Eric Bieniemy would be a good head coach wherever he had the opportunity to. If Eric Bieniemy gets hired in Houston right now, and we're trying to fix this whole Rooney Rule situation, that might be the last thing we want as a society because he's going to go in there, he's going to lose ten plus eleven games or whatever. Especially if the Sean Watson like, situation. We gave him the opportunity. He sucked as a head coach, and boom, he's out of the league. We have to let these guys get good situations to come into. With the Jacksonville Jaguars, 
You want Brian Flores to go into Jacksonville and lose 12 games with no talent on that roster next year? No. Let a guy like Doug Peterson go in there who has a winning track record, who has a Super Bowl ring to walk into the building with on his finger, who's gone through the whole young quarterback process with Carson Wentz and now Trevor Lawrence. Like I just said, he checks so many boxes, and he can take the heat with lose a couple of losing seasons. You don't want a guy like Flores to go in there and lose 13 games because then people are going to say, hey, look, he got the shot. He sucked. Now we're going to fire. I mean, in defense, you can arguably say that Brian Flores did the same thing with a young quarterback. And let me let, like I said, let's be honest here. Tua ain't exactly a world beater, but he still right. worked with but, what he had. But here's the thing, Tua, and he didn't play Car- bad at the end. Of the no, game. he didn't. He didn't. But Tua, compared to how Carson Wentz played those first couple of years, oh yeah, he oh, just lights up, bounds ahead of. Yeah, I mean, we're, you're talking about Carson Wentz being an MVP those years. And another reason I think Brian, Brian Flores got fired was he doesn't think Tua is the guy. He doesn't want Tua. I think it's the upper management and GM who said Tua is the guy. I don't think Brian Flores thinks Tua is the guy to have to lead that franchise. Well, here's the thing with upper management, and and that's one of the big things. You know, if if an upper management, if they invest in somebody, especially a quarterback in the first round, they're not necessarily going to be like, you know, after year two, okay, we got to cut our losses and try to find another guy. No, you're going to try to fix you're going to try to figure this shit out, especially considering the fact that quarterbacks are a dime a dozen. You're going to try to try to see if that guy's one of the dozen. I would love to see Eric Bieniemy a guy like him with his offensive mind, go to a team like Minnesota to work with Dalvin Cook, to work with Jay Jeff, to work with Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins, say what you want about him. I know he hasn't done well as far as winning football games, but his, his stats say else, else, like, you know, otherwise. He's been productive. I think Eric Bieniemy there with Kirk, with, with the talent surrounding him on the offensive side of the ball, could be a very good success story if he gets that chance. Who's even going to want to go into a situation like, there is in Miami now, especially made headlines. Do you want to be that puppet in Miami that, that it's making it seem like you will be if you not. are a head coach? But do you want to go into Houston and deal with that situation also? Yeah, this is true. I mean, yeah, that situation but, in Miami is not a it's not a very good one. However, I will say this. Please, Houston Texans, if y'all are hearing this, please take Jonathan Gannon as your head coach. From what I hear, he is one of he is one of the candidates that they are strongly considering for their head coaching position. Please, for the love of God, get him out of Philadelphia. <laughs> Houston should have traded Deshaun Watson when it, before this thing got bad. I mean, they well, worse, I should say. Well, once again, you're talking about you have a, a once in a generation quarterback who's a dime a dozen. They, they don't. Have, who do they have? They have no picks. They have. They, they're drained. They have Deshaun Watson, and he's not even able to play. If they just traded them before this thing went even what far wayward, they could have had three first round picks, four first round picks, and they would have, first of all they would be cleared of the Deshaun Watson situation. This is makes true. their image look a little bit better. This is true. And then they have pieces and assets to build around their team, become more attractive. This is true. Their fans would say, "Hey, okay, look, we're we're moving in the right direction." You just got to keep hitting these pegs. If they can get a good, head, if they could have gotten a good head coaching hire. That would have been another box checked off the list. So then you're looking at, hey, we got a bunch of assets here. We got a good established head coach with, a, with maybe whoever it is, Bienemy, Flores, whoever you want to say, even, even Doug Peterson before he got hired. You got a good established head coach, assets, and things are turning up. But now you're still dealing with the Watson thing. They waited too long. You don't have a head coach yet. And who wants to step into that situation? I agree with you. There's not really a whole lot of coaches that would really want to step foot in that situation, especially with the Deshaun Watson situation. I mean, right. I mean, you say they should have traded them. At the time, they're thinking to themselves, this is when around the time the accusations was first coming out. So in their minds, they're like, oh, shit, well, you know, let's let's try to get behind this guy. I mean, they're just accusations at this point. Right. So, That's and true. once again, I'm going to say this to the day I die. 
talented players are going to get a whole lot more leeway than your 53rd guy on the roster. I'm always going to say this. All right, you're talking about a once-in-a-generation type of talent in Deshaun Watson. Hell no, they were not just going to let that go. What I will say is their decline started, all right, when they hired um, – shoot, who was that coach that they hired a couple of years ago? What team? Texans. They hired uh, Bill O'Brien? That's what I'm talking about. When they hired Bill O'Brien like those years ago, and he started basically nuking a perfect team. I mean, all you needed was a couple more pieces to fill out the roles. Yeah. And you're talking about a Super Bowl winning team. And he just came in and basically traded traded players away. How the hell do you trade away one of the best wide receivers at the time in well, the that, NFL for a damn running back? That started happening. At, that was like his last season. That was when he was on his way out. But he still didn't do that good building the team in the first place while he was there. Well, he made the Texans playoff contending team. He did. He helped with that, then got stupid. Right. And that, and, that, But what I'm saying is... His tenure is what started the DeAndre destruction Hopkins of the Texans. For David Johnson, yeah, I yeah. think that's pretty stupid. Yeah, I, and the Eagles had a chance at. Oh God, don't remind me. Anyway, but that's what started the destruction of the Texans right then and there. Then you had players leaving. Then all that was left was Deshaun Watson. So let's be honest here. I mean, they've been a pretty crappy franchise for a nice little while now. I mean, you don't you don't just let talent go, especially like JJ Watt. That's exactly. Well, I agree with you. I mean, that's JJ Watt might be a little different of a situation. Definitely different of a situation. Definitely different of a situation. One, he wanted to go somewhere and win, and he had that but, with the Cardinals. And also, at the same time, I will say this: the leader of the franchise for how many years? Again, that's another thing that's just going to hurt your image. Yeah. A guy who's done so much for the city of Houston outside the community, you know, and and for him to go away. I mean, it's it's literally it's all it is is just another box after another in a negative section. And that's why they are where they where they're at right now. Real quick before we end out our show for the day, let's let's move on to this Raiders hiring with Josh McDaniels. We've seen him for years and years in New England. How do we think he's going to fare as the head coach of the Raiders? And do you think that was an interesting decision because you have Rich uh, Basaccia leading the team after Week Six? Gruden gets fired. He leads the Raiders to a seven and five record, and well, to the playoffs. Well, first of all, is is the ink dry on his contract first, so he can't just leave whenever he feels like it. So long as that ink is dry, okay, he's 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 staying there. He's That's, there, okay. Well, you know, I mean, he could pull a Belichick and leave. This oh, is true as well. I like Rich Passaggia. I thought he was a good coach. He was favorite after. in the locker room too. His players were vouching for him. Yeah. And I was just about to get into that point. Passaggia had the, the love of the locker room. As a matter of fact, how the hell do you go through that much scandal between the coach, yeah. between players, and still get getting arrested, and still get into the playoffs, and still get into the playoffs? Yeah, That is very impressive. It was And Derek Carr, who's not a world beater by any means, you know, he has, it's not like he has superstar talent on the. I mean, listen, he played impressive this season. Yeah, he especially. did have a good season statistically speaking. But at the end of the day, there's still 12 quarterbacks in this league that are probably better than him. This is true, but there's still, but that feeds into at the point. 10. But that feeds into the point of the reason why Pistachio should have still had still been he the should, head yeah, coach. He should have been made the head coach. Well, I think with Josh McDaniels and, is he it, it like all he's done his whole career is work with Tom Brady, right? I know he had a good season with Mac Jones. They got obliterated in the first round by a billion points. So, look, their division with the Jets, the Bills obviously are the Kings now. The Dolphins didn't have a great year. So, it's not like his division was hard to get through. Of course, they got in as a wild card team. But Josh McDaniel's track record, is Derek Carr going to stay there? I know he's an unrestricted free agent, I believe. I'm expecting him to go back. But 
I don't see how he can just step in here. And I don't really – unless he makes the right hiring coaches for his assistants, somebody that can control the defensive side of the ball because he is all offensive-minded, of course, being an offensive coordinator in New England. We'll see. I think Josh Jacobs is going to carry on a huge load. We saw it a lot, really run-heavy scheme with the Patriots this year. But on the offensive side of the ball, Darren Waller's banged up all year. So you'll get him back healthy hopefully next season. Hunter Renfro, talk about a guy who – With that being said, Tanner, do you want to shut us down? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about these two topics forever. But that's going to wrap up our show for this week. And if you don't already, follow us, all three of us, the Philly Experience Podcast and the Philly EXP1 on Twitter. Once again, I'm Tanner Martin. This is Tyre Hood. And that over there is Max Pretzula. Thank you for tuning in. You sounding all professional and whatnot. I hear you. Yes, sir.